Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining the Behind Company Lines podcast. Today we have Adan Nino, the co-founder and CEO of Bionic. It is an application for security posture management, ASPM company. We'll learn more about what that means and more about the story behind it. But Adan, thank you so much for joining the show. I'm really excited to have you on here. And before, before we get into all the good stuff, what were you doing before you started? Yeah, so before I started Bionic, I'm, I'm basically a software engineer, right? Yeah. So I think where I first started my journey was in the Israeli intelligence corps. So it was in what many people know as 8200, which is like basically the equivalent of the NSA just out of Israel. And I was doing offensive cybersecurity for almost seven years of my life. Then I did a little bit of startups. I was one of Magic Leap's first employees out of Israel. And about three years ago, we decided to found Bionic together with my co-founder. Amazing. What, what did you do? Uh, you said offensive, uh, offensive security. What does that mean? Yeah, so uh, obviously, Susan, I can kind of felt that too much. But basically, cybersecurity is a means to getting intelligence. Sure. Yeah. And, and in that experience, what got you excited about, you know, you could have, you could have continued in, in you know, cybersecurity and, and military, but you chose to go the more you know, technology route. What got you excited about tech and, and, you know, jumping into, you know, software? Yeah. So actually I did a lot of software back in the military. That's was my day to day. The reason I decided to leave was that's a good one. So obviously it was a, also a very, very hard decision. I think what's good about, you know, eventually serving your country and the greater good at the end of the day is the fact that you feel like you have purpose yeah. and you're working not only for yourself, right? Yeah. And that was actually what I was also missing when I worked at the Magic Leap at the end of the day. And that's why eventually I decided to found my own company to kind of relook for the purpose and see how I'm doing a lot of impact in yeah. my day-to-day. So that's something yeah. that always led me. And I think, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. And and I, I was learning a little bit more about your background. You worked for a company, Wild Venture. And tell me a little bit about that experience. It, it seems like you were helping invest in other businesses and other cybersecurity entrepreneurs in, in Israel in particular. How is that experience like kind of on a, it seems like on a VC, in a, in a VC perspective? Yeah, that's a great question. So basically, before doing my own thing, when I realized I want to do that, I realized I also want a little bit of a business experience and try to experience how the other side looks at tech, right? How do we evaluate markets? How do we look at what is even considered to be good as a company? What metrics should I aspire to? And so on. So I decided to leverage my experience in cybersecurity and join a VC that specializes in cybersecurity. And that's why I Mm -hmm. decided to join YL. And that's basically what I got from there. It was my first... uh, Let's call it this way, foot in the door in the business yeah. world. Yeah. And we invested with, for example, one of the first companies that did cloud security and container security back then, which has obviously also opened the gate to what Bionic is doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's so fascinating how you transition not only from a technology standpoint, but then from a business standpoint in the, the VC realm. I feel like from that perspective, there's always so much to learn about the repetitions of making a successful business. Tell me a little bit about what you've learned in that experience and then now with Bionic on how, you know, successful businesses run or successful startups run. What's your, what's your perspective or what's your experience on how companies are successful? Yeah, so I think it's a combination of two things, especially when you're looking at cybersecurity. 
right? First of all, you need to target a very big problem, right? Mm-hmm. Cybersecurity suffers from a lot of point solutions that are targeting very small problems, even feature solutions. But eventually, when you want to build a successful company, a big company, like even when you look at Bionic and the rate that you've been extending and growing over the last few months and two years, basically, you have to tackle a very, very big market that ties to eventually a very, very big problem. Right? Yeah. And that's something we saw consistently. The second thing is obviously execution. So it's yeah. great that you're having a huge problem. You also need to execute and build a great solution in order to eventually solve this problem. Yeah. And the third piece of that is, so I think these are the three most important base stones eventually in order to building a very successful company. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. What was the inspiration behind Bionic? You know, you've gone, you've had the cybersecurity experience from the military, then in the VC realm and, and working with startups. And what was the inspiration for starting your own company, especially within cybersecurity? Was it, you know, you already having the expertise or did you see something in particular that, you know, an issue or problem or something that needed to be focused on in cybersecurity that, that led you to start Bionic? Yeah. So that's a, that was an interesting route. So basically when I, when I, when I did, you know, venture capital, what I saw is that everybody are becoming a software company, right? And yeah. I saw the kind of customers software companies had, and I was amazed to see that, you know, suddenly fast food companies are consuming cloud technologies and have a lot of developers. Mm-hmm. And we, I saw internally all the challenges they are going through while transforming there. And, you know, we had the thesis back then of everybody is going to be a software company. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. So that's where we kind of started looking. And then what we did, I think, Many of the, eventually the customers knows what their problems are. They don't necessarily know how to solve them, but they know what their problems are. They know much better than we do, right? Um, so we literally, uh, we were very humble about it and we just interviewed. We interviewed about over the course of two months, something like 50, 60 CIO, CTO, CSOs of Fortune 500 companies. And we basically just ask them about their problems. What problems are they experiencing? We haven't even talked about a solution. We didn't try to solve anything. We didn't have anything to sell. We just wanted to understand what problems they're experiencing. And they told us. And they, you know, all of us has this sort of like pattern recognition mechanism. Sure. And it really kicked in when everybody told us the same thing about we're a software company. Our developers are moving very, very quickly. And we're today in a position where we don't even know how many apps, applications we're running in our production environments. And it's just growing bigger and getting worse day by day. And that's when we realized we were onto something and that's where we kind of started our journey. So was the issue with these companies that they were, they were having so much, I guess, like successful productivity within their development team, but they didn't have enough either security around these applications. What, what exactly was, you know, the, the, the problem that they were facing? Yeah. So I can give in. Walk, in, walk you through an example. So think about it this. So you're an organization, you have thousands of developers, right? You have no idea what you're doing and they're doing, right? So how can you secure and compliant what you don't even know about? So that's where it starts, right? And then later on, you're in a position where you have thousands of developers, thousands of developers, each one pushes a few changes a day to production. And one small change can basically put the entire business at risk. Giving an example of one of our customers who is a very big insurance company in the US, they had an incident last October where a developer was working on a microservice, 
that was processing financial information of U.S. customers, millions of them. And the developer didn't know that because it wasn't documented anywhere. Developers are not very well known for, you know, documenting what they're doing. And he was pretty new to the company and he actually accidentally started sending data from these microservices out of the organization to a third party that started showing it in their photo. So this is just an example of how Bionic, like the problem that we help eventually solving. And obviously we have a very cool tech that helps us do that as well. (laughs) Yeah, no, these are the problems we kept on hearing about. Yeah, yeah. But tell us a little, I, I always, I'm always fascinated as the threat of cybersecurity grows, you know, and, and I was talking to another founder who had started a, a cybersecurity company and he was just talking to me, his, his particular was ransomware. And it was interesting to see how these teams of people are, they're almost companies now and, and they grow and they're so, they're, they're no longer, you know, a hacker in a hoodie in his mother's basement, right? Which is. You know, you know, we fantasize about that or have that in, in our in our media, but they're like, you know, structured teams and run like companies and operations. Yeah. What are the different ways that you see or, or that companies are under threat from cyber from cyber security attack? Yeah. So I think it's two things. The first thing is obviously there are a lot of attackers out there, cybersecurity and adversaries is a well old machine. And it's, it's organizations that that's what they do, right? Yeah. So this is obviously one aspect that they target eventually companies in order to cause, in order to blackmail them, in order to sell their data in the black market and so on, so on, so on. So obviously there is that. When you're looking at critical infrastructure, like banking power and so on, so on, so on, organ, organizations and you look and you can see it also from the solar winds attack that happened, need to also protect themselves from state-wide, state-sponsored attacks, which is a completely different story, right? Yeah. I think the third aspect of that is also sometimes people are just making mistakes that eventually can compromise the organization. And I would even say that's probably 80% of the, of the incidents. It's not a cybersecurity attack, but it's a security, cybersecurity incident that happens. So that's another very, very big portion. And that's what you see a lot on the cloud security and application security space. It's not about adversaries, not necessarily about adversaries. It's a lot of times it's about, you know, cloud is new. Yeah. For most companies, they move to the cloud only in the last two or three years, even sometimes even newer than that. But with that being, with that being said, you know, the developers, they're not straight out of college. They've never developed for the cloud. They don't necessarily even know, and they were never expected to write secure code over the cloud. Yeah. 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 Well, that's the problem. That's a problem we see a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some ways that Bionic kind of helps alleviate that problem within companies? Yeah. So that's, so that's eventually what we do, right? So it all starts with eventual information, right? Mm-hmm. In order to secure something, you first of all need to know what it is and what you're secured, right? You cannot secure what you don't know about, right? It's the basics of cybersecurity. You have to start with knowing. What are you saying with ransomware? You need to know what. <laughs> With your ransomware deploy. So Bionic first starts with giving you this information, mapping all of your applications that run to production, right? So that's the first piece, mapping everything out, understanding the architectures and how it works at scale. Because organizations that are growing, they keep on growing. Microservices architectures are very, very, very complex. And you need to understand them in an automated fashion. So that's the first thing that Bionic does. The second thing that, it do, that we do 
is we map this architecture and all the information we have into risk insights. So many times the problem, okay, you have all this information, but how do I consume it? Many times security teams struggle because they just don't have enough personnel, right? The organization is scaling. There is more developers. There are more microservices. Everything is scaling, but the security team remains around the same. Cannot scale in a linear way. So you have to give them insight on what's most important for them to fix. So that's the second thing that we do. The third thing that we do, now we do it in a continuous fashion. So whenever a developer makes a change to production, we let the organization know whether this change introduced any new risk to their production or posing any new risk from security or compliance standpoint. So these are like the three pillars that, that we give organizations in order to eventually help them secure their cloud and application environments. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And so tell me a little bit more about the traction. You're, you've created a great system, this great technology. You work, uh, you know, with, with teams on creating just a secure um, application environment. How, how, where is Bionic now? What, what are the companies you're working with? Where is your funding at? And then kind of what are the next stages of growth for, for Bionic? Yeah, so we grew this year from around 40 people to 120 people. We raised Bionic in way, like even though we are three years old, even a bit less than that, we raised around $90 million of capital. Amazing. And we had a beer round last March led by Insight Partners. So that's where we are from a company standpoint and capital and HR perspective. In terms of traction, so with cybersecurity, sometimes it's a problem exposing the customer names. But what I can say is that we're working with the largest banks in the U.S., largest financial institutions, largest insurance firms automotive companies, retailers, fast food companies, pharmaceuticals, basically almost everybody, everybody and, and tech companies, obviously. We're seeing this problem spans across verticals and basically almost any company with more than 150 developers, which is basically almost everybody are experiencing it. Yeah, no, that, that's incredible. And congrats on, on all the success. What, what is, you know, like a contributor to that success and, and you described you know, companies that are successful have, you know, strong execution, great culture, uh, you know, and then I think one more variable you, you described, but what about your execution has led to Bionic being so successful in such a short amount of time? Yeah. So I think the uh, first thing is about talent. Yeah. We are, we are only as good as our people at the end of the day. And that's something we firmly believe in. So all of the people in Bionic are people that I'm proud to be working with on a personal level, and I think they're all better than me. So that's my hiring technique. I want to constantly hire people that are much, much smarter than me. And I think I've been, and all of the managers in here have been very, very successful in doing that. So that's the first piece. Now, the second thing about execution that I feel is very important for startups is being able to focus down. You know, as a startup founder, as I the first thing you want to do is like boil the ocean. You want to solve everything at once. But unfortunately, you can't do that. Like you're an organization with finite resources. And like, when you look at us, we're trying to also build a new market and building a new market is a difficult task. And you can only do that if you're very, very focused on, first of all, our customer's pain, like customer pain is the thing that leads us the most. And, and that's the, and everybody also has to be aligned on it across the organization, whether it sells marketing developers, product, everybody has to be aligned around what pain are we solving to our customers. And then they have to be very, very aligned on. What do we need to do in order to do that? And eventually, if you solve someone's pain, you can make them successful. 
And that's yeah. how we believe we can grow a business. We are in the business of selling people value, not necessarily selling product. We need to sell them value and you can only sell value if you solve them a pain point. Yeah. And you make them yeah. successful. No, that, that, that's awesome to hear. And, and tell me a little bit about the culture piece. So, you know, you're aligned on execution, you're, you're focused on the problem that you're solving. Everyone is, is kind of all, all hyper-focused on that one, on that one problem and then executing at each stage of, of the process. How do you maintain a strong culture within you know, an environment that can be seen as stressful or, or high velocity? You know, there's a lot of different ways founders like to make sure that they maintain a strong culture. What are some ways that you maintain a strong culture within your team? Yeah, so first of all, it's difficult and you need to admit that it's difficult, right? And you need to be very proactive about maintaining a strong culture and strongly talk and constantly talk about it, right? Yeah. And be very clear about what your culture is and have everybody aligned around what the culture is. So I think we're doing three things. The first, we, we're a startup. It's difficult as it is and we're also creating a new market. So we expect every employee to give their best to eventually help the company achieve its goals. That's all, the only thing we can ask you for, to do your best. The second thing is we strongly believe that managers need to lead by example and have this mentality that there is no job that's too small for me. And I'm also leading that personally. There is nothing I won't do in order to help a customer, give them value, help get a deal done, even help the engineers. There is nothing anyone in here won't do in order to eventually make the company more successful. And that's something that's extremely important. I'd say the third thing is, is that's very important for us. Um, we have a very, very strict no joke policy, because as you said, it's hard, it's stressful. So you need to be in a place and work with people that you want to work with. And you need to also have fun or at least try to have fun and have people you can have fun with doing this process. Otherwise, honestly, life is too short. So we're very, we have no problem turning down top talent if we don't think they'll be fun to work with. And we constantly only hire the best people that live by our values. I love, I love that. And I, I love the no jet policy. It's simple, but, but effective. And I agree, you know, it, there, there's so many challenges you face, so many problems. And, and the way we focus it on our company is every problems, the opportunity, you know, every, we treat every problem as an opportunity. And when you work with people who kind of view things in that perspective and don't go, don't, don't get down or don't have kind of like such a visceral emotional response, just kind of collaborate as team members. It's just such a great environment and leads to such quick productivity and success. One thing I always like to ask founders as, as they're growing and scaling their company is about risks that they face. So what are, what are some of the biggest risks that your company faces today? I don't know if risk is the right word, but we do face some challenges. I think the most straightforward challenge we had to face with was the remote work. Mm. We came from culture that we never did it before. And now everybody like on the U.S. side of Bionic, in Israel, we walk from the office, but on the U.S. side, they do walk uh, remotely. And it was a very also cautious decision to keep it as such. But obviously, it also creates a lot of challenges like alignment, making people feel like they're part of the company and so on. Yeah. Well, what are some ways that you kind of, because I hear this a lot in, in the South yeah. Africa, that you have a hybrid working environment. Like, What are some strategies that you implement at a, at a systemic level, level that helps people still become, you know, feel as though they're part of the company and also kind of maintain, I'm sure with cybersecurity, there's some kind of securities around having people work at home and just keeping everything kind of bottled in there. Yeah. What are some strategies that you use? 
So I think the first thing is around alignment, being part of the company. So making sure everybody understands what everybody are doing, like they would be if they were to work in the same office. So it means a lot of communication, all hands. Every executive has, a, has to present at least quarterly what he's doing, like by himself, not as part of their whole hands. We're doing a concept of like blind dates between different people in the organization. So that would yeah. be a first. The second piece is, again, in order to make people feel like they're part of something, which they are, is around celebrating successes, big and yeah. small. So that's something we will encourage uh, across the organization. I would say these are the two pieces we're trying to yeah. really focus on. Amazing, amazing. I'm curious, you know, just within your experience, what, what, what makes your job hard? <laughs> what does, what makes my job hard? I think what makes every CEO's job hard, especially in a, such a, in a business that scales very, very quickly is the fact that your job changes every quarter or so, every quarter or so you have to kind of reinvent yourself and stop for a second and understand, am I currently doing what's best for the company and what's most important? Uh, and that's something that we, I personally constantly need to do. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great answer. What, you know, if everything goes well and, and, you know, obviously it's been going well with the success you've seen recently, but if everything goes well with Bionic, where do you see the long-term vision of the company? So obviously we want to be one of the most prominent software companies, enterprise software companies in the world. That's what we're aiming at. The executive we brought on are people that have done exactly this. We brought executive from GitLab, AppDynamics. Yeah. And those sort of com like multi-billion dollar companies. So they'll be able to take us to this basically place of like post IPO company. Yeah. Uh, that's what I would consider a success. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you. I, I love, you know, hearing your story, your background. Obviously, you know, would love to learn more about the military experience, but I, I understand not being able to go too deep into that. Really excited about what you've done with Bionic and where it's leading to and how it's really influenced it and allowing the companies to scale their applications, but also in a way that allows them to be secure and consumer secure too, because I think, you know, that's another piece is when you're building software, really thinking about the company, the, the, the consumer's best interest and the user's best interest. I always like to ask this question, not only for my own personal research, but for my audience as well, to get more information, but tell me a little bit, I love this, I love this bonus question, but what are some books or some people that have influenced you the most? So currently I'm actually reading a pretty good book that I'd recommend any founder uh, and pick up by Frank Slutman. Love it. Well, uh, give us a little snippet. What, what have you learned so far from that? Yeah, he talks a lot about how to build. So Frank was the CEO of ServiceNow. Now he's the CEO of Snowflake. Yeah. He talks a lot about how to build, uh, how to build culture at the end of the yeah. day and how to yeah. align everyone around this culture. Yeah. Amazing. It's a very big challenge from the end of the day. Right, right, right. Well, thank you, Don, so much for answering all my questions and being on the show. I hope you had a fun time. And, you know, I'm really excited to see where you take Bionic, where Bionic um, leads to in, in terms of its success and its growth. But again, man, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Awesome.